Welcome to Searchlight, a survey through Scripture with Pastor John Corson. It is our desire to bring you a systematic study of the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, book by book. Do you like songs? Most of us do. Songs can set moods and bring to mind past times and events. This is what is happening in our study through the book of Judges. In our last study, we just saw God give Israel a great victory through Deborah. Now Deborah is memorializing this event and others in song. This is a good way for the people to remember what God has done for them. Let's now join Pastor John and recall the great things that God has done. Free. So Deborah then writes a song. I mean, she's not only a prophetess, but she's a songwriter too. She's not only a judge, but she is a minstrel as well. She sings this song. It's a victory song. Songs are important because songs are easy to remember, much more so than stories we might hear or, or books that we might read. Songs stick with you, and it's true. There's a real power in music. And so Deborah writes this song to remember and commemorate this victory, this story. It's an important one. Praise ye the Lord, verse 2, for avenging Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princesses. I, even I, will sing, which may mean that she was very, very blessed. She was a judge, a songwriter. She was a, a powerful prophetess. But it could mean this I, even I, will sing. It could mean that she couldn't sing very well. I, I like to believe that. I, even me, I'm going to sing. So here you can give ear. I, even I will sing. Aren't you glad the Lord said make a joyful what? Noise. That's my verse. Doesn't say make a wonderful, skilled sound. He says just if you can make noise, I can do that. So could Deborah. I, even I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord, the Lord God of Israel. Lord, verse 4, when thou wentest out of Seir, When thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped with water. Now, here's how we know that it rained that day. Because in her song, it tells the story. The mountains melted from before the Lord. In the days of Shamgar, verse 6, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied. That is Shamgar, the guy we talked about earlier. People were afraid to go down the street or walk on the street because the enemy was out there. They lived in fear of their enemies. But then God raised up these deliverers, these judges. It's interesting to me that the mountains melted, the earth dropped, uh, uh, the heavens, pardon me, dropped, and the clouds dropped water also. That the technology of the day in the valley of Megiddo, right around Mount Tabor, the hot technology of the day, which were iron chariots, were rendered useless because rain came down. And I can't help but wonder, in the 
technology of our day, when the armies of the world gather in the valley of Megiddo for the battle of Armageddon. It talks about how men again will fight with swords and throw rocks and blood will flow. And we say, how could that be in the days of cruise missiles, of, of all the high-tech weaponries? Well, you know what? If indeed the technology goes on the blink, it's going to get down to, again, hand-to-hand combat and people picking up rocks and slugging it out. And I do believe that that's what's going to happen. How so? The largest expenditure in the Defense Department of our own country today is used to go to disabling our enemy's technology. You realize that if we are successful or any nation is successful in messing up the computerized systems of the military, of sabotaging the technology, the computer systems of the armed forces, that armies are rendered useless today, We are a high-tech army. That is, not only this country, but every nation of the world is depending increasingly on technology. But what will happen when we succeed, as we may have already done? We don't know. These are Defense Department secrets at ways of totally messing up our enemy's technological systems. I mean, my computer crashes all the time at home. Uh, You know, I mean, these things do happen. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. My own personal suspicion is when the armies converge for the Battle of Armageddon, that the technology will at one point in that battle be rendered absolutely useless. And men will, even as the Bible says, be battling it out hand to hand again in the most primitive of ways. Without computers, man, all this modern stuff is useless. Just like in Jabin's day, in Cicero's day, we got iron chariots. Yeah, but what happens if it rains? If it rains, you're stuck in the muck. And so that's exactly what happened. Their technology was rendered to be absolutely useless, ultimately. Well, so it talks about the rain coming down and how it used to be a, a terrifying place to be, to walk through the areas or on the highways, verse 6. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel. That is They they couldn't leave their villages. They were just stuck holding up. They were uh, intimidated by the enemies until that I, Deborah, arose. That I arose, a mother in Israel. Mark that, women. Mark that, fellas. Interesting. Here is a prophetess, a judge, a warrior, a poet, a songwriter. She is a counselor. She's so many things, but she identifies herself as a mother. Not the mother of Israel. Some of your translations may have it that way. I am the mother of Israel. Or a mother of Israel. No, it's literally a mother in Israel. I'm a mom. That's who I am. That's my identity. I like that. She saw as her primary identity, not a judge, not a prophetess, not a warrior, not a poet, not a songwriter, not a leader, not a counselor, the most important position in her own estimation that she had was that of being a mother. And if you're a mother here, that is the most important position you'll ever hold. I don't care what else you do or what else you take on or what else you move into. The most important thing you'll ever do is raise those kids to be lovers of Jesus Christ. Teach them the word. Have them memorize the scriptures. Tell them the stories. Be there for them 24-7 if possible. That is, women, your ministry.
Oh, God might use you in other ways. But I'll tell you this, the most important thing you'll ever do is to raise godly kids. Deborah knew it. She was huge in history. She was giant in ministry, but she saw herself primarily as a mother. I'm a mom. That's what I do. That's who I am. And man, I wish that all women could understand, women that are looking for ministries or looking for stuff to do, your kids or your grandkids, if you have access to them, man, that is your ministry. Paul puts it this way, a woman will be saved in child raising, not saved born again, but she'll find her salvation. That is, she'll find her satisfaction. She'll find her ministry in child raising. And many women never quite get that. They're always looking for something other, something else, something more. Not that women can't and shouldn't do something other, something else, something more, but it must be way secondary, way secondary to raising their kids in Christ. If you've got one kid or two kids, or if you have three or more, you have a full-time ministry. That's what you're to do. John, why are you talking this way so strongly? Because my mom did that. That's why. I know the benefits. I know the fruit. I know the impact when a woman realizes, this is my role. This is my job. Oh, my mom taught Sunday school, and she had a hospital ministry, and she did other stuff too. But by far, all of that was way, way, way down the list in her heart and in the usage of her time in comparison to raising four kids that all love the Lord and are walking with the Lord and are being used by the Lord. And, and, and I benefited. And so I just feel so badly when I see women that say, well, what's my ministry, you know, raising kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what's my ministry? Raise those kids. Yeah, but I, I need to do more. Well, how are your, are your kids on fire for God? Are they knowledgeable of the word? Are they being prayed for and loved on and taught the scriptures? Yep. Okay, well, then it'll be interesting to see how else God uses you. But your primary calling is to raise kids. And if every mom in this amphitheater did that, my goodness, there would be a spiritual revolution in the coming days because we'd have kids that were on fire, well-grounded, loved on, brought up. But sad to say, many moms don't see it that way. They don't understand. And they're always looking for something else. Hey, women, think about this. Pray about this and say, you know, Lord, if I'm out of line a bit, maybe you would bring me back into harmony with your divine design that a woman will be saved in childbearing. Paul said that in direct reference to women not teaching over the congregation, a mixed group. Paul says, I don't allow women to teach over the congregation, the church. What I do say is that a woman is saved, a woman is saved, that is, she is really fulfilled in child raising. So it's a key. It's being poo-pooed today, sadly. Uh, I wish we would rediscover God's heart and listen to what Deborah, this woman that was used in so many ways, had to say. She said, yeah, I'm, this is what I really am. I'm a mother in Israel. That's what I am. Well, enough of that. So she goes on with her song. And, and after declaring herself to be a mother in Israel, she says, and they chose new gods. That is, when Israel chose new gods, other gods, there was war in the gates, uh, verse 8 says. Was a shield or a spear seen among the 40,000 in Israel? 
When they went astray and chose other gods in those days, they had war. They lost their spears and shields because they got beat up and they got wiped out by their enemies. Oh, she says, my heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. You ones that stood up and said, we do want to be used. Speak, verse 10, ye that ride on white asses, ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way. She says, those that would say, use me, Lord, and those that would judge, the riders of white, uh, on white asses were those that went around giving godly counsel to people. Uh, if you saw a guy riding on a white donkey, you would know that he would be a good counselor or he came to give right counsel. Jesus, of course, rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was a white one. That doesn't say in the scripture that way, but hey, it's the idea of peace and wisdom and counsel. So she says that blessed be those that did that, that ride on white asses, that sit in judgment or, or give counsel, walk by the way. They that are delivered, verse 11, from the noise of archers and the places of the drawing of water, there they shall rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord. These ones that got involved, engaged, those that stood up and those that gave wise counsel and were used by God. These were the ones that were singled out. And she goes on to single them out in her song when she says uh, in verse 12, Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, utter a song. Rise, Barak, and lead the captives uh, into captivity. Take your captives. So she's still reiterating and rehearsing this story about how the people were in bondage. And certain men did rise up and were willing to be used. And, and she even includes Barak graciously in this company. Arise up, Barak, and take those guys into captivity. Verse 13. Then he made him that remaineth. The survivors have dominion over the nobles among the people. The Lord made me have dominion over the mighty. In other words, the ones that survived, that is the bad guys. Hey, they were brought under our dominion. The tables were turned. The good guys are in control, you see. Out of Ephraim, verse 14, was there a root of them against Amalek? Ephraim, the tribe of Ephraim, you did good. You went against the Amalekites, the bad guys. After thee, Benjamin, thy people. Yeah, you also joined in the battle. Ephraim, Benjamin, and then verse 14, out of Makar, which is in Manasseh, came down leaders. And out of Zebulun, they that handle the pen of writers. So there was Benjamin, Zebulun, uh, Manasseh, and Ephraim singled out as those that stood up and got involved in the battle that was being engaged in against Sisera and against Jabin, this king of the Canaanites. And also, verse 15, the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Even Issachar, also with Barak, he was sent on foot to the valley, the valley of battle. So I want you to see here very quickly that there's a number of tribes, Ephraim, Benjamin, Manasseh, Zebulun, Issachar. They got involved, but watch this. On the other side of the equation, the flip side, it says, but in the divisions, verse 15, last phrase, in the divisions of Reuben, there were great thoughts of the heart. Why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleeding of the flocks? For there were divisions of Reuben, there was great searchings of the heart. Now what this is saying is Reuben didn't get involved. He stayed in the sheepfold. He stayed where it was safe, 
Why? Because he gave it a lot of thought. Well, should we go to battle or not? Man, we're going to risk this, or that might happen, or they've got 900 chariots. In other words, this tribe, Reuben, was experiencing the paralysis of analysis. They were analyzing. It's a dangerous thing, and it's a common problem. If you become introspective, well, should I witness to him or not? Should I go there or no? Should I do this? Should I be kind to that person today? Or, hey, you know, you can find yourself looking inward and becoming introspective to the place where you do nothing. That happened to this tribe. The guys mentioned first, they got involved. They got engaged. But Reuben, there was great thoughts in his heart. He was introspective. He was going back and forth internally. And guess what? He missed the entire battle. The war was won without the tribe of Reuben. Could that happen to you? Could that happen to me? Absolutely. God says, I want you to do this. I want you to experience that. I want you to have victory here. And I want you to gain spoil over there. But we sit around and analyze. We sit back and analyze. And we miss the obvious opportunity that's before you, that's before me. Listen, if there's an opportunity to do something, do it. See? Don't go through this deep introspective stuff that Reuben was vulnerable to, or you'll miss the war entirely. It'll pass you right by. See? Get involved. Get engaged. That's what the first tribes did, but not Reuben. He was there by the flock. I'll just hang out with the flock. I'll just hang out at church. I'll just be safe. I don't want to take a risk. I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to do that, you see. Ah, sad. And then also Gilead. This is the hall of, well, after the hall of fame, the first tribes is the hall of shame. Um, You know, Ephraim, Benjamin, uh, Manasseh, Zebulun, Issachar, the hall of fame. You guys got involved. Hall of shame, Reuben. You're too introspective. Gilead abode beyond the Jordan. What does that mean? Gilead said, it's not my turf. It's not my area. Uh, We're beyond the Jordan, and you know what? Uh, That's your problem over there. Boy, that can be true in me, maybe in you too. We can say, that's not my area. It's not my turf. It's not my, you know, I know there's a battle, an opportunity, a war, but you know what? That's just not my, my city. That's just not my country. It's not my territory. It's not my turf. So Gilead, along with Reuben, is in the hall of shame too because they had a turf mentality. It's not my turf. And why did Dan remain in the ships? The third tribe in the hall of shame is Dan. He remained in the ships. He was on a cruise, evidently. Uh, you know, he was on a carnival cruise or what have you. And he just was out there sailing around in his boat, and uh, so to speak. And Deborah's song, inspired by the Spirit of God, says, What a shame. What a shame. You missed the war. It passed you by. You could have got engaged, but, oh, Reuben, you were too introspective. And, 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 and uh, uh, Gilead, uh, you, you said it's not my turf. It's not my area of responsibility. And Dan, you were on a cruise somewhere. And Asher, I like Asher, again, the hall of shame, verse 17 goes on to say, continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches, or literally at the beach. I mean, so to speak, that's the idea anyway. He, he was at the seashore. Hey, man, I'm at the beach. 
Just give me a place at the beach. So we have a, some beach bums and some guys on a cruise ship and some introspective dudes and, and uh, some guys that say apathetically, it's not my problem, it's not my territory. They go down in history in the hall of shame. But, back to the Hall of Fame, verse 18. Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that jeoparded their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. These guys, Zebulun and Naphtali, they risked their lives. They took steps of faith. They, they went ahead and engaged in the battle and took on the enemy. And the kings, verse 19, came and fought. Then the kings of Canaan in Teanach by the waters of Megiddo. That's the valley of uh, Armageddon there. And they took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera and so forth and so on. So back to the Hall of Fame. These guys, Zebulun and Naphtali, they got engaged in the battle that day. But verse 23, back to the Hall of Shame. Curse ye Miraz, said the angel of the Lord, Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Now, this is interesting. Miraz is a city of Israel in the region of the battle we don't know exactly where. It's never been determined nor discovered where this city was. It's an Israeli city, an Israelite city, that did not get involved. The battle was going on all around them. The reason... It doesn't say. It just says, cursed will they be for their failure to get involved in the battle. The angel of the Lord says, you're cursed. The angel of the Lord is none other than Jesus Christ. You've cursed your city. You've cursed yourselves. Cursed will be the man, the woman, who does not get involved in the battle, get involved in service. Cursed where? In heaven. What? Cursed in heaven? Yeah. In heaven, there's going to be weeping. The Lord's going to wipe away every tear. But we're going to stand there before the judgment seat of Christ, the reward stand. And those that didn't get involved, those that just sat back day after week, after month, after year, after decade, missing opportunities in their own community, in their own valley to be involved, they'll be weeping in that day. Now, it's going to be heaven, it's true, but when the rewards are given out, there is going to be, I believe, an unbelievable wailing that will take place in many, many people. I pray not me, I pray not you, where people will say, why did I waste my life? What was I thinking? Why did I have time for this, and why did I do that, but I didn't get involved in what God called me to do or gave me the abilities or the equipment or the tools to serve him with. But I was too caught up in my hobby or in this or that or the other. And there's going to be a cursing in eternity. Oh, not God's going to look down on you and hurl a curse at you. You will curse, we will curse, one will curse himself or themselves. You don't want this to happen to you. You don't want to get to heaven and kick yourself for all the missed opportunities. So what can you do about it? Get involved today. Ask the Lord to show you the ministry opportunities that He has for you and embrace them totally. You'll be glad you did. 
This teaching is also available on the Searchlight website at johncorson.com. You will also find on the website Pastor John's books and other Bible study resources. Again, the address of the website is johncorson.com. We are all on a journey in this life. If you are a believer in God, your journey is taking you to heaven. To help us keep our eyes on our destination, we have a book available called A Place for You, Reflections on Heaven. This book, taken from sermons that John has given, focuses on the hope of heaven. Heaven is a real place, and it is not that far away. This book is for everyone who longs for that day when we will be in heaven with our Savior. You may order a place for you from our website at johncorson.com. Searchlight is a listener-supported ministry. We appreciate your prayers and support. May the Lord richly bless you.